welcome to Geek Space Nine, the discovery and or rediscovery of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, is the lovely, the beautiful, the wondrous Sarah Beck. Hi, everyone. And the equally beautiful and wondrous and lovely Peter Dancy. Hello, what's up? I am Ben Hull. I got no adjectives. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week we saw season two, episode four, and episode five, which would be Invasive Procedures and Cardassians, respectively. So first we'll start with Invasive Procedures. In this one, uh, we get to see something that uh, I think I brought up, or at least someone brought up, which is what do Trills who are unjoined uh, feel about that? And we get to sort of follow one. Uh, an unjoined Trill named Varad takes over the station when it's uh, not as occupied along with uh, his companion Mariel and a couple of Cleons. They take over and Parad says that he wants to take Dax, the symbiote, away from Jadzia, the host. Um, and then basically escape to the Gamma Quadrant. Jadzia agrees. She doesn't want anyone to get hurt because of her, especially after Brian gets shot. Uh, a couple of no. times. Bless him. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then... Uh, Bashir does indeed move Dax into Varad, who begins to show changes, begins to show affection for our good dear Captain Sisko. Uh, meanwhile, Cork, who helped them work with, uh, helped the Varad's people come onto Deep Space Nine for what he thought was different reasons, uh, helps Bashir take over. They take control again, while Varad escapes. Uh, Varad and Sisko have a confrontation at the end, uh, and he says that, you know, possibly by even stunning him, Dax would die, and it would end the entire Dax line, but Sisko takes that chance, shoots him, puts Dax back into Jadzia, who's back to normal, um, and then Varad is left sort of an empty shell. So, and that's, uh, how it ends. So what do we think of this episode? I thought it really had an interesting premise, um... Like one of us said before, I uh, I also can't remember exactly who brought that up originally. Yeah, neither can I. Um, but uh, maybe it's a question that we all had, really. But uh, yeah, it was nice to... Um, well, not nice, because we we're quite sad for him. But to see, you know, an unjoined Nice on a story, though. Yes, exactly. An interesting plot device, shall we say. Um, that being said, I... I wasn't always super engaged with this episode just kind of because I knew that they were going to get Dax back and they probably were going to do it by the end of the episode. So I wasn't like, what's going to happen or anything like that. Um, But it was interesting to see how Varad's character changed after he became joined with Dax. Yeah, there's an interesting concept, which I do explore to some extent of you're both the killer and the victim, which is very fascinating. Right. That uh, uh, both Varad has the memories of Jadzia, so he now understands the person fully. And, like, could you imagine if you had to basically kill somebody and then get their entire memories and life story? And, mm-hmm. you know, oh like. God, that's like a different form of guilt. Oh, isn't that crazy? Like, that's, that's a sci fi story in and of itself. Like, I could see that being a, you know, some kind of setup or something. But. Uh, right. Not only that, but like you also like now feel more complete and more whole than you've ever felt in your life, and you're never gonna kind of go back from that in a sense. Like 
by basically it seemed like by the end of the episode by even having Dax in him he's like worse off as Varad unjoined than he was beforehand because mm-hmm. um, he's experienced like that different kind of consciousness that you then can never go back to right. so it's, it's a very interesting concept that they do explore which I appreciate uh, sometimes they have these interesting concepts and focus on something interesting but they do kind of talk about a little bit about uh, uh, that weird weird feeling of like being the victim and then like Jadzia now is like understands what he all his memories you know and she gets uh, Dax back so it's mm-hmm. it's very fascinating where she almost got to live this second life for a few hours or so so it's almost like she's like her seventh and ninth you know person or eighth and tenth I forget to be quite honest I was expecting the episode to go a little bit differently in terms of how they got Varad and Dax unjoined and Dax back into Jadzia I was kind of expecting the presence of the Dax symbiont within Varad to kind of make him rethink what he was doing and you know yeah, exactly. realize that it was you know really bad to separate this existing symbiotic relationship but instead it literally took Cisco shooting him to make it work I, I almost I, I, I sort of expected the symbiont itself to have more power I guess right like it, it, it yeah i agree it was it was weird it was weird how he essentially doubled down on on his decision like i mean like you said sarah like, like he like he he now had the he, he now had the thoughts the memories the experiences of like seven or eight people including like dax who who we've come to know over the, who've come to know over the course of a season already like inside of him and yet he and yet he still kind of remained selfish about it saying like this is what i've wanted this is what i was working towards screw everyone else who says differently and there's uh exactly and i think that there's a very interesting like you said they, they kind of set up more for a more peaceful or more complicated solution particularly with his uh, girlfriend sort of realizing that he's not who he was anymore and that he really is does change and the change is completely and utterly dramatic and it is a whole new person essentially but all she really does is give Cisco her gun you know which I feel like Cisco could have easily taken anyways um, oh yeah he could have so it, it, it definitely I agree that the plot elements weren't as interesting as the character elements but I felt the character elements were interesting enough to, to keep Very me engaged true. in the episode for the most part um, what did you think of the performance of Varad who is John Glover who is uh, the voice of the Riddler on Batman the Animated Series and also would probably be his face would be more recognizable to Smallville fans. He's the father of Lex Luthor. Yeah, the second you said that in our group chat, like I immediately saw it and I was like, so that's what he looks like when he's clean shaven. <laughs> Does he have a big mustache in that? Yeah, 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 yeah. When he when he's in when he's in Smallville as a as like as like the Mister Luther before before Lex becomes Mister Luther, he has like basically a full a full on. A full-on beard that that, that 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 over the course of the show, which which I think went on for like ten, like nine, ten seasons. Ten seasons God, it goes between like it goes between like like well-kept beard and scraggly beard, like full-on scraggle. Like so so to, so to see so to see so to see him here, like like basically ten years prior, it's like oh okay, you 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 do you do have you do you you did have short hair and like a clean-shaven face before. <laughs> it's interesting when that uh, I watched uh, Blazing Saddles last night, and uh, I forgot that Gene Hackman plays the blind man, and it's impossible to see him under all the the hair they give him. Like, I don't know, right. my, my face is blind but to uh, 
beards. <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a basic beard and wig will fool me. I'd be easy to fool. <laughs> I'd be a bad spy. I think of easy face blindness for that. So what do we think of John Glover's performance in this episode? I thought he did a really good job. Uh, he did yeah. the sort of meek, mediocre man, if you will, uh, very well at the beginning. But like very as... unsure of himself mm-hmm. and like still questioning and was like, I'm doing this because I feel it's right. But like, but but even, but even then, he doesn't seem like fully dedicated to to, to his plan. He reminded me a lot of Barclay from TNG, actually. Oh, mm. yeah. Um, but then, as soon as he was joined with Dax, you really could see a change in uh, in his demeanor and the way that he carried himself, both physically and emotionally. The way that he spoke, even. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did they did a couple things with camera angles. I noticed, like the first shot of him post symbiosis was uh, from a little bit of a lower angle to make him look broader and taller, as though he mm-hmm. had you know, sort of undergone a Captain America-esque transformation. You know, not to that degree, certainly, but just, you know, look bigger and fuller, stronger, happier, all those things. No, definitely. I think his his body language was really impressive as an actor in this episode. I think he did a very good job of holding himself much more meekly and much more shyly at the beginning. And, you know, you can see him kind of ducking behind people and not only be confrontational and as soon as he gets stacks, like he kind of has the same thing Jadzia does with that utter confidence. Like, yes. anywhere Jadzia walks, she's always got her chest out, and she's always not in a track, not in a subtle way, but like you know, confidence but, way. But yeah, at least very proper. Exactly, very, uh, very stately, and like someone you know, like has lived a long, important life, you know, uh, and is very confident in their abilities. And it's it's really cool to see the actor kind of get to do both. I feel like it was a fun acting exercise for him to kind of do physical performances in both and I was really impressed with his abilities in that sense one other person who uh, carries over I'll just quickly mention is uh, Tim Russ who plays one of the Kleons ends up playing Tuvok uh, the main Vulcan in Star Trek Voyager so he becomes a Star Trek regular eventually excellent Yes, and he was also Devor in Starship Mine episode of TNG which I don't remember but Sarah knows these episodes better than I do uh, I, I certainly <laughs> recognize that that is the title of a TNG episode. Hey. I could not tell you what it's about or what characters are featured in it. So fair enough, fair enough. Not very Sarah's much. Sarah's not not at that level yet. Maybe no, one <laughs> I have failed. You failed me for the last time, ah. and I ejected her. <laughs> ah. I like Sarah's death scream. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, like Sarah, all chill the to other the core. lesbians. <laughs> oh no! I killed a lesbian in our own chat. <laughs> Damn it, Ben! What have I done? God, <laughs> do better. I will never let this go. <laughs> <laughs> it's understandable. It's understandable. We're all hoping the Xena reboot will. Fix yes. It. Yes. Yes. Actually, I am so actually. excited. I have to know who they're gonna get to play Xena and Gabrielle gonna be great all of the lesbians <laughs> everywhere will rejoice I'm really yeah they, they, be, to... they better get that casting right or else it'll fail uh, like fail immediately i know who oh, they yeah. should cast it won't happen oh. <laughs> they should. is this the fan casting we were doing earlier yes <laughs> yes oh boy yes 
You just want that. You, she, Sarah just wants her Alexa relationship to end. I do. I just want <laughs> her to be wants. happy and not dead. <laughs> and alive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is there anything else to say about uh, this episode, Invasive Procedures? Well, just really quickly, I actually wanted to talk about uh, Terry Farrell's performance briefly. She wasn't in the episode very much, oddly enough. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. Um, but... Um, I thought she did a really good job um, after the surgery where Dax was removed. Yeah, like it was, it was interesting. She only had a few lines, but she really, you could, I don't know. She did, you know, sad and alone very well. And uh, you yeah, could, and that, you, she yeah. acted like you know half of 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 who she used to be. I don't know. It just. I really got that feeling from her, which I could imagine could be a hard thing to portray in acting. Well, yeah, that's a tough thing. It's, it's sort of a there's, a... there's a lot, I guess, of real-world stuff that I don't want to go into, but that you can mine for that, and I feel like she really did... It's tough, because you don't want her to feel like she's, like, powerless, but in a sense, she's, you know, dying, and she's removed from herself, and there's a lot of really depressing and horrible things in that. And I really also appreciated Bashir that he was really fatherly and kind and wasn't uh, gross and, <laughs> and Yeah, no, rape. he was, yeah, he was, he was good. He was really nice. And I feel like they've kind of moved on. Uh, I mean, they probably always flirt with Jitsi. I feel like that's going to be a constant thing. But uh, it seemed nice that he was respected her as a friend and someone who was in a horrible situation. Absolutely. And so... Yeah, and no, I totally agree. I think Terry Fowler did a very, very good job in this episode, and I think it's one of those things too where she's like, "Can I just like not be Dax for like a little bit? You know, like can I have like a little bit interesting acting exercise? You know, to do that." And I think she did really well with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Vulnerable—that's the word I'm looking yeah, for. We don't young, think of yeah. Jadzia Dax as being a particularly vulnerable character, but Jadzia on her own—that was, you know, it was, it was very sad to watch that. Right, and it's also a different thing because, you know, you don't see the difference between um, Jadzia before and Jadzia after. I'm curious mm-hmm. if we'll ever do a, a flashback episode or anything like that. That would be um, really cool. It would be interesting because, you know, we see with Varad, after he loses it, he feels that similar emptiness where I think if you've been joined and are unjoined in any way, it's painful, you know, like you've experienced mm-hmm. something new and changes your life and you can't ever go back to it. That's... Uh-huh. So I don't think she was as vulnerable then, you know, which is what makes it interesting. I don't think they were saying, oh, Jadzia before Dax is like a wimp. You know, they're not saying that at all. They're more saying that she's going through a horribly traumatic experience and yeah. experiencing that with her, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. The other thing I'll say is I think it's general on appreciating that uh, th- there's there was a stiffness to the first season's acting, I felt like, particularly from Cisco, And I'm mm-hmm. really enjoying Avery's performance yeah. more this season. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> what? I, I, right, it was very stiff. It was, it was, it's like, it was like, dude, Avery. Like, like, like the only time, like, it seems like the only time you, you know, like, you know, you really come to life is if, is if it seems like you've been given specific directing notes to do, so, to do as much. Right, right. And I feel like this time he's he's just a little bit more sly and a little bit more, and particularly in the next episode, whenever he's dealing with Bashir, uh, he's just really much more interesting. He still has that sternness, and he's got that, you know everything about the Federation, but I feel like there's a lot more humanity into him and a lot more fun in his performance lately. Um, would you guys agree with that? Yeah, yes, definitely. For sure. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm enjoying that people seem to be more in, in tune with their characters this season. It feels like everyone's kind of getting into it, and 
maybe since it's the second season, we know it's going to last too. So we don't yeah. have to like. I think yeah. sometimes it's the first season, and it's like, are people going to turn into a show that's just Star Trek on a space station? Like, that's right. do people watch Star Trek to go Trek? You know, um, Star Trek without the Trek was kind of the joke about the series when it first started. And so <laughs> it's like, um, you know, are people going to tune in? You know, blah blah blah. So I feel like this season they're more like, okay, we can develop these characters. Right. Uh, they're, they're, really... they're... Sorry, go on, Peter. No, I was just gonna say. I was just. I was just gonna say. They're now more comfortable with the characters that they're playing. Totally. Yes. Totally. I, I think that's a big. That's a big thing with it. So next episode is a big uh, character episode, also kind of a political thrillery episode as well, which is called Cardassian. To be expected, though, there's a lot of Cardassians in this episode. So we see the return of the lovely Elam Garrick, the Cardassian. The one Cardassian on Deep Space Nine who owns the tailor shop. He and Bashir are having their usual conversation of, "Are you a spy? Are you?" <laughs> but he's are like, you? Am I? He's like, and, and and then and of course Garrick responds with, "Am I?" And you're like, <laughs> and you're like, "Damn it, Garrick!" <laughs> Garrick loves his riddles. Um, he loves his riddles. That so is. Garrick and Bashir are talking when Garrick notices a young Cardassian boy. We don't see never seen anything ever uh cardassian children so he goes up to them he's with the bajoran parents but as soon as he goes with the boy the boy bites him very hard on the hand this gets to gul dukat who tells cisco that apparently cardassians left a bunch of orphaned children on bajor and it was a uh, disgrace to the empire and that he wants to get all these orphaned children back so meanwhile miles and kiko take care of rugel during this and Garrick tells Bashir that he thinks there's much more to this boy than meets the eye. So he has uh, goes down to Bajor with uh, Bashir. They discover that Rugal was actually dropped off by one of the Goldukat's uh, people at the time when he was running Deep Space Nine, then called Tarek Nor. Uh, We've discovered the reason this is, is that Rugal's actually the son of a prominent uh, civilian leader, Padar, and that basically uh, Goldukat put him there to eventually shame him down mm-hmm. the line. Um, we also get some interesting things where Rugal hates Cardassians, he's been trained to hate Cardassians because he has Bajoran adoptive parents, and he knows nothing to do with his old father who he views as evil. Uh, eventually... Bashir and Garrick revealed this information during a hearing with Gold Dukat, who runs away, and uh, Rugal goes back to his father. His father decides, basically, that he's not going to do anything about the orphanage we basically get to learn, so the orphans are still screwed and kind of stuck in this political quagmire, but neither Gold Dukat nor Kotan wins, and uh, then the child goes back with his dad, and... Bashir and Garrick say, talk once more time, and Garrick moves a little bit of saying, you know, why do you hate Gul Dukat? And we don't really learn why. It'll be revealed in the future. So what do we think of this episode? It was, I, I, th- I thought it was cool to see yet another layer in, uh, yet, yet, yet another layer uh, of the of this whole Cardassian Bajoran uh, conflict, but, 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 um, but, 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 see, but see something that could, see something that could be that was, I guess, more of a stain on, and not, on not necessarily, the Cardassians' occupation of Bajor, but, but, but more, but more of how they left, like, like this, like this, the state, the state of things and how they left. But, 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 but how it's dealt specifically with their children, 
that like I, I, I don't I don't I, I don't think I was expecting expecting something like that to 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 come to come about because 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 most of the stories that most of the stories that, that we have that we've been given that we've been shown so far uh, with season one and, the, and then and then up to this point in season two, well, with, with with the with the exception of the subplots involving uh, Jake and Nog, um, we don't really we we don't, we don't really see children at all in this show. It, it it's it's all it, like as per usual. It, it all of the conflicts involve adults. So to so so to so to see get this episode and have it center around a child and 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 possibly and possibly maybe at some point in the future others i i i i thought that was a nice i thought that was a nice change to see in this episode yeah it was interesting to learn more about the cardassian um political system Uh, you know it's the sort of thing of uh i heard a good rant from someone says don't let george lewis george lucas ruin space politics for you (laughs) space politics can be interesting uh, they, they aren't always boring, and I think this is a good example of why. I thought it was very fascinating, the idea of this civilian government that the Cardassians do have, but that the military leaders are really the ones in control, but still have to sort of go around the civilian leaders. And It's very, very interesting, I, very dark idea of, like, I'm going to steal this guy's son and leave him in an orphanage that I know of until the time is right. Um, I think that's a very fascinating concept. Yeah, he was playing the long game the long there. Like, game, I don't yeah. know what I can use this for in but you know, I know ten that years I can. plus, but we're right, just it makes you think like happens. how many things does Gold Ducat have in his like evil book of evil? <laughs> like you mm-hmm. know, like I've got this guy's wife here, and I got this kid over here, and like don't forget, like do you think he just looks up people on his little YouTube on his, uh, <laughs> his database and just like. Oh yeah, I got his son somewhere. I should use that. He's got one. Yeah, he he has to have like two like two hundred, three hundred like like separate dossiers and 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 and, and databases on, on like separate people. And it's like, okay, this is how I can screw you over, and I can do this in five years. I can do this in six months. Oh, this is actually coming up for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to have a real good calendar system because he can mm. just oh, be messing God, up one yeah. way. It must be amazing. Like, do you know her? No, I don't. Oh, it's not your wife. No. Nah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that was very interesting and also you know it was cool to have both a political episode and a, uh, an episode on uh, you know just sort of the the Bajoran Cardassian fight in general and the very interesting mm-hmm. idea of watching a Cardassian who's been raised by Bajoran parents to hate his kind is very fascinating I really enjoyed the the way they dealt with Rugal and the way that um, it was really cool that Miles kind of got an appreciation for Cardassians through Rugal it was nice mm-hmm. yeah as we know, Miles... Okay, so, remind me, Sarah, was Miles also captured by Picard during the famous Cardassian episode with the four lights, or was he just... Did he just save Picard? I can't remember what he was, like... Uh, he was actually super invested in that episode, or he was just kind of around, and that's why they keep mentioning it. I honestly don't remember. I do need to watch that episode again. It's in Cause probably my top three favorite TNG episodes. Yeah, it's incredible. If you guys haven't seen it, I'll, I'll look up the name real quick so but uh, it's it's basically picard gets captured by cardassians and then gets a uh, sort of manipulated tortured in a very interesting way a, a sort of 1984 way where you know they keep torturing him and saying there's how many lights there are on the wall and they have to say there's four but he has to say five and it ends in a very very intense way oh, <laughs> that's weird I don't both physical episode, and psychological torture yeah it is so good Ugh. oh my god 
I mean, it's a little bit tough to watch, honestly. Um, there's some stellar acting from Sir Pat Stu, as always, but my God. One of his most famous uh, TNG lines. There, there are, are four lights! lights. Oh my god! Oh, okay. Sorry, having a moment. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, like, 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 sorry, listeners. Like, give give Sarah a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a chain of command. Yes. Uh, mm, it is, okay. It is the tenth and eleventh episode of season six of TNG. Definitely, definitely worth watching. And I believe this is the one they're mostly referencing with Miles O'Brien, but I'll have to look up more. But definitely, mm-hmm. at one point, I know he said, "I've seen what uh, Cardassians do to their prisoners." Immediately, every yeah. TNG fan. Am I getting? Yeah, I don't. Oh, I don't yeah, think he was there but sure he he should would have seen picard when he came back and definitely so. that's what yeah. i think they're more saying because it's like i don't think he actually rescued him or anything but i guess they're more saying that he was there and he definitely knows the pain that picard went through mm-hmm. so yes back to uh the episode at hand uh yeah did you enjoy the the story of Bruegel? we'll start with that just like as a character the who, sir? And his sort of relationship with Kiko and Miles. Oh, Rugal? Yeah, Rugal. Yes. What did you think of him and his storyline? Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. And um, sadly, in our world, this does seem to be a issue that's more common than it should be. Of A kid gets raised by one set of parents, but then... Um, the real parents show up and it comes down to, you know, what's best for the child and who has mm-hmm. more legal say of who gets the child and does the child get to choose? Does the child's voice matter? Because Rugal very clearly wanted to stay with his Bajoran parents, but I think at the end of the day he ended up getting sent back to Cardassia, and I had to yeah, wonder if that decision. was necessarily the right decision. Definitely, and it's a tough tough decision because he was taken away from his father and he was used as this horrible political pawn and like but the parents truly seem to love him and that's when it gets down to those really depressing storylines that I've heard way too many podcasts and certain things about is that it's tough it's tough to say and it's the thing of like both sides are wronged in a sense and there's yeah. no good answer yeah I, I, I remember I remember um, when I was watching this episode and he, and he was talking and when you heard him talk about Cardassians and, and, and what and what they did during the Bajoran uh, during their Bajoran occupation, I remember thinking like, "Damn, this is like some really sad and unfortunate self hatred that he unfortunately has 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 had like ra- like raised into him simply sim- simply because simply because of the people who 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 who, 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 we, who we come to realize like like do I do love and care for him." But to have that kind of stuff spoken to, spoken about, like in your, like in your presence constantly for like, for for, for how long? How long was it? Like eight, like eight years? I think they said. I, I think I think I think they said after, yeah. after his dad left after the fire of his house, like for eight years, hearing that same kind of language is like shit. This is like some really unfortunate self hatred that he that he's had to go through. Yeah, and he's now a teenager, which is like the most like, what? Who am I? What am I supposed mm. to be? Sort oh my of time. god! Yes. But you're also past the point of like the plasticity of your brain, like right. So like a lot of that's going to be buried in there pretty much forever. So it's yep. it's, it's it's crazy, you know, like mm. to be hate Cardassians and then just have to live on a world of them, you know, where they're still warmongers, they're still Cardassia, you know, they've left Bajor, but they're not. There's no been no political 
upheaval or anything. Right. So it's still a lot of ways the same. People who took over Bajor are still in power and still around and maybe still want to take over Bajor. It's yeah, that's, that's another thing I wanted to talk about in this episode, is it further brings to light that, you know, the Cardassians have officially left Bajor, but have they really? Are they really done? Because things keep happening like, oh, we oh, left yeah. all these orphans on Bajor. What an <laughs> atrocious thing. I'm so sorry we did that. Let's fix it. Right. And then they don't fix it. A few episodes previously. Oh, we didn't know about that labor <laughs> camp that we still had. We're yeah, so exactly. sorry. We... Let's fix it. They still yeah. have the Cardassian Taylor on Deep Space Nine. Plain, simple Garrick. But what I mean, really I mean, are I mean, you I mean, still doing on this Bajoran space station. I mean, I mean, totally. I mean, we, I mean, like, 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 like you just mentioned, like in those first three episodes of the season, Sarah, like we even found out that 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 the, that the Cardassians were the ones who were ultimately behind the Circle even getting weapons. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So it's like, so, so it's like, yeah, like they may have physically left, but they still want to be there, and they're doing what they can to get back in. It's just, it, it's, it's more of just finding out what's their next plot. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, right if they leave. A wormhole to another quadrant opens. Uh, stabi- oh my God, yeah. Stabilize, you know, like yeah. Do you, you really think they don't want that either? <laughs> like, yeah. there's definitely a coming storm with with Cardassians in the future. Mm-hmm. No they pretty, they they pretty much wanted as about as much as about as much as maybe maybe even more because they were on Bajor for fifty years. They they wanted about as much as 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 the, as the Nagus does for the Ferengi. Yeah. <laughs> totally. The, the, the only the only the only difference is that is that for the Cardassians, it's more, it's more sinister than humorous. Exactly. Whereas the Frangi just want to make money. Yeah, yeah, they they just want to expand money. That's about it. Empire for sure. That's definitely true. It's definitely true. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a very interesting episode for that reason. Kind of going into the Cardassian political system and to remind us that gold cut is not done <laughs> he mm-hmm. wants that seat back that's for sure and it was a uh, very it was interesting too to see like like i said i'm glad both bajor and cardassian have fights outside of themselves which is very interesting this was an interesting one where it's just about cardassia and just about uh gold Dukat shaming the civilian leaders and getting more power for himself and things like that like uh and you know we, we saw at the end of season one it was all just about bajoran versus the orthodoxy versus the you know, reform religion. So it's like it's nice we get these stories centered around this conflict, mm-hmm. and that a they aren't ignoring the conflict in general, and b it's not just constantly like Bajor's getting attacked. We got to mm-hmm. stop them. You know, it's way more subtle than that. Like they haven't even been attacked since the first episode. Really, um, it was the last time Cardassian sent warships, as far as I remember. So mm-hmm. it's nice that we like said we see that there's probably going to be some trouble coming in the future, but it's not just constantly like now they brought in a super weapon like you know it's it's way more clever and political the strife on both sides and i really appreciate that about the show it's like all right we're gonna do this bajoran cardassian thing we're gonna do it damn it like we're gonna go full on and and explore both sides and their full capacity which is i really appreciate so what do we feel about uh (laughs) what do we feel about garrick's return and garrick in general I like Garrick, um, but in that way of just he's such an enigmatic character. Like like we were talking about at the beginning of this discussion, when he's like, you know, am I a spy? We won't. I won't tell you that. That because that would right. be boring. 
Right. Let's make it interesting. But I did like the moment um, when they were at the orphanage trying to find the records about Rugal and um, a few Cardassian children come out and they ask him just because he's this Cardassian grown up and they say, you know, are you are you here to take us back home to Cardassia? And he just has this look on his face of, you know, sadness and he's a little bit, I think, frightens too strong a word, but just really taken aback and he just says, Yeah, I'm afraid not, child and you know, he doesn't have the power to do this. But you can tell that he does feel for those kids and uh yeah, yeah. that was sweet, totally. you know, a Cardassian with feelings. Yeah, like it, 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 it did, it did, like with that moment of hesitation, it, it did seem like he wanted to, but like you said, like he just, he, he was not, a, 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 he wasn't someone who could ultimately make that call, and B, right. it wasn't B at the very least, it wasn't within his means to do so. Mm. And you get a very dark little bit at the end where um, the civilian leader, you know, he asks like, "Oh, can you do things about the orphans now?" And he's like, "Um." yeah you know and it's very clearly that he's not going to do anything and that they are stuck in this horrible political limbo you know yeah Mm -hmm. and you know i think maybe since it's just the refugee thing is going on so much around here it's like it's tough to remember that these wars have like a lot of civilians stuck in limbo is one thing that happens in a lot of these wars and occupations and things like that it's yeah tough to remember like and it's like oh it's an interesting little thing they just kind of throw aside like uh it shows this show is trying for something a little bit more yeah, the the a war doesn't end when the fighting stops. There's all there's always the fallout that you have to deal with. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's one thing that's very interesting about Deep Space Nine. And I know it's like it's the casualties of war is a big theme about Deep Space Nine. And I feel like they're already doing it in a very interesting way. Which I really appreciate mm-hmm. that they're not kind of ignoring uh, that this occupation left a lot of people behind, you know, in labor camps and Cardassians as well, and like. And all these terrible political moves, it's very fascinating for that reason. So is there anything else to say about uh, Cardassians? Uh, not really for me, except that I thought it was kind of cool for um, for Rugal to be wearing a Bajoran earring. I don't think that's a sight we're oh, likely yeah, to see again. Yeah, I did. I found that cool, not going to lie. Yeah, that was neat. And like it, I, I like that they never mentioned it, and that no one ever tried to pull it off him or anything like that. It's yeah. there. Yes, yeah. yes. They did that well. Like I think when Kotan, his father, sees it, he just kind of is taken aback, but doesn't you know, be like, "Don't wear that garbage." You know, right? Like it's, yeah, it's I, way I, more I, interesting. I, 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 th- I think, I think as much as his father wanted him back, I, I, th- I think even he had to realize, like, my son has been on this planet by himself, essentially, in a way, for eight for eight years, living with these people. I, even though I want him back, I can't just. At least right now, like when, like when I see him for the first time and and forever, just immediately try to rip that from him. I think even he understood that, totally. or at least I, or at least I like to think that he did. I think so. I think so. so let's, are we uh, ready to uh, end the episode? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm good. All right, good. Well, uh, our next episode will be season two, episode six, and episode seven, which is. Melora, and then Rules of Acquisition, which sees the return of one Grand Nagus. Yeah, so yes, I do. I do know. I do. I will say about Melora. I do know that 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 it that it's a Bashir episode, and I'm very excited about that. Me too. I, I saw the first. Uh, I accidentally watched the first part of this because I thought it was my Netflix skipped weirdly. And I was like, "There's not many Cardassians in this episode," and then I was like, "Oh, okay." So <laughs> wait, hold on. 
the first five minutes I saw were very fascinating, so <laughs> I think it would be a good episode. But yeah, I've, I've been thinking lately that, um, you know, we haven't really had a Julian-centric episode right. yet. They've all been about Major Kira yeah. or Jadzia or, you know, Jake and Nog. But, or Cisco. Uh, or Cisco, yeah, but no, no Julian yet. So he's, now he's even been... even O'Brien's had a couple episodes about him. Oh yeah, with Rumpelstiltskin. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and Miles also had that uh, uh, episode with uh, Tosk. Yes. 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 So yes, those will be our next two episodes. In the meantime, as always, I want to thank Sarah and Peter for joining me on this epic quest through this very good show which we're very much enjoying so far our theme song is by Captain Meatshield you can check him out on Twitter at cptn underscore Meatshield seriously go do it I was listening to his music yesterday good stuff good right (laughs) it really is my god he basically does like these cool metal covers of like nerdy stuff when he takes requests he's awesome he's very awesome we love him very much and uh, we are part of the Tuscan Shed media network you can see more of our shows at tuscanshed.com if you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review any way that you can. It does help us find new listeners. And until next time, this is the crew of Geek Space Nine signing off. Thanks, Bye, guys. guys. Thanks for listening.